I think we all agree that, that prayer is powerful. Prayer is important. Prayer changes lives. It changes situations. It, it changes our world. And I think one of the best things you can do for someone is to pray for them and to ask for God's best for that person. And yet, we all know that we, we kind of lack at prayer at some time. You know, when, when it comes time to pray, we, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to pray it. On our own, we do all right. But, you know, we have our own prayer time, and that's great. But, but uh, when it comes time to, to pray for someone or to pray publicly, uh, when we see a crisis, it's, it's difficult for us sometimes to do that. When, and we, we struggle to say those words, can I pray for you with people? And part of it's embarrassment. You know, we worry about what they're going to think, or we worry about what we're going to say, um, one of the books I just read talks about the, the problem of prayer speak, how we, we, we learn a certain language when we pray. And I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, it was all the these and the thous, you know, in the prayers. And I thought, why do you start talking to God like he's Shakespeare? You know, why have you changed the way you're talking? Um, but some of it's the language we use. We worry about what other people are going to think, what they're going to say. And part of it's lack of experience. We're afraid we're going to mess up or we're going to be clumsy with our words. We're going to stammer. But we have to admit, it's, it's our own hang-ups that, that keep us from praying. And when you weigh the choices, which one's more important? My hang-ups or prayer? I think prayer is far more important than our own hang-ups. It's my, my hang-ups are bringing the presence of God into this situation. Which one is more important? Which one should motivate us? So I want to talk a little bit about prayer, specifically how to pray for other people, how to pray out loud with them, and I don't want to guilt you into doing that. I don't want to, I'm not going to say, now we're all going to do this, because we're not going to do it that way. Uh, guilt is a lousy motivator. I do not like using guilt. But I want to do, give you some tools to make you feel more confident when it comes time to prayer. So when the time comes, and when that little voice inside you says, ask them if you can pray for them, you will know what to do. Um, that other little voice won't say, we don't know how to do that. Don't, don't even bother. You know, don't you listen to the right little voice. James says this in James chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. Elijah was a man with nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if any of you wandered from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Verse 14 talks about calling the elders. This is not just for elders, though, because this is about all of this. Verse 16 specifically says, confess your sins to one another. We recognize we have a responsibility to pray for one another. We're called to that. And whether it comes naturally or not, whether it's something we're comfortable or not, or with or not, it's something that we can grow in. So there's three factors that, about prayer that this passage describes. And the first one, uh, the first is something we recognize in ourselves, 
But we also need to recognize it in other people, and that is the desire for prayer. James starts out, and he says, Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. And boy, we, we do that when we're in trouble. When you see those lights behind you, or no, before, you actually start when you see the cop car hit the brake lights as he goes by you. That's when you suddenly start praying and fasting, isn't it? Lord, please, not this time. Lord, you know I'm in a hurry. I'm on my way to do some righteous things, Lord. You know, I, I promise I'm not going to sin when I get there, and, you know, everything's going to be fine, and we start praying. You know, when we're in trouble, we, we pray. We pray. We ask others to pray for us, and we know the power that comes with prayer. We know the strength that comes with it. And what we need to do is transfer that outward and see that when someone else is in trouble, they may not know how to pray. They may not even know they need prayer, and it may be an opportunity for us to pray for them and pray with them. I've been in a lot of situations where people share a concern, where they share a problem, they share a need, and I have trained myself to ask, do you mind if I pray for you about that? And I have yet to sit, hear someone say, no, don't pray. You know, last thing I want is prayer. People want prayer. They want to hear that. They, the response is always, please do. I've mentioned this many times before. Every week, we have those that ask us to pray. And some of you come prepared week after week with with those things written down on the little cards. We didn't get any little cards today, but I know there's still prayer requests here. But you, you write down on the little cards, and you pass it in the plate, and we spend time praying for those. And, and recently, you know, a while back, I told somebody that, hey, we, we prayed for you Sunday. Someone wrote your name on a card, and we prayed for you. And they said, wow, thank you. They, they had no idea that we had done that. It's an important part of what we do when we come together. People appreciate that we pray here. They want us to pray. It's something that has become expected of us. It's become a standard thing that we do, and, and uh, we have to live up to that. There's a quote, I think it's from E.M. Bounds, if your people know you as a person of prayer, they have the right to expect a different kind of character from you. I used to have that on my wall constantly. It was a quote that I wanted to remember. If your people know you to be a person of prayer, they have the right to expect a different kind of character from you. Now, as long as we're in this passage, there's a couple reminders here. Uh, verse 14. Uh, my elders would be very upset if I did not mention this. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. I want you to notice it says, call the elders. It does not say, is any of you sick? Your elders already know that you're sick your elders can read your mind and and they know that you're not feeling well no it says call the elders elders cannot read minds i hope they can anyway every now and then you know we we get news that uh that someone's in the hospital and did you know so-and-so is in the hospital no no one called no one let us know uh, your elders love to show up at the hospital when i was in the hospital guess who showed up your elders showed up like what are you guys doing here you know, just going to be in and out. I'm going to be home tonight. No, I wasn't home tonight. But, you know, I, they all showed up and they all prayed. Um, so when someone's in the hospital, every now and then we don't know. We want to be there. We want to pray. So please let us know. Have someone call the need in on the prayer chain or, or somehow otherwise let us know that, that someone's in need. It's very important. So there's the desire for prayer. People want our prayers. They want us to pray for them. But along with the desire for prayer, we also have to recognize the focus of prayer. What is our prayer going to do? What, how do we pray? So if someone invites us to pray for them, what do we say? How do we do it? Uh, 
And the type of prayer that we're talking about, the specific kind of prayer, is called intercession. That's the kind of prayer where you go to God for someone else. You stand in the gap and you lift that person up in prayer. Uh, You make their needs known to God, but you are also, for them, bringing God into their situation. You're letting them know that God is there with them also. So when you do an intercession prayer with someone, when someone's got a need, you're not going to cover all the details. You're not going to pray about the weather, you know, unless the weather is the need. You're not going to pray, you know, God bless all the missionaries and uh, be with them starving pygmies down there in New Guinea. You know, you're not going to cover all of those. You're just going to focus. Let your prayer be focused on the needs at hand, uh, which does mean your prayer will be shorter when you do that. Um, and a very important part of that is listening to what the person is saying, listening to what they need. Don't be afraid to ask, what are we praying about today? Uh, Some of you back here have heard me say that uh, because that's one of the things I like to do. You know, it's very easy to say, this is a very overwhelming need, and what are we going to pray about? So I like to ask, well, what are we praying about today? What what specifically do do, do we need to pray about today? And sometimes the answer is going to surprise you. Well, just... Just take this pain, or I've got this horrible headache, or, you know, take this pain away. Give me, I need a good night's sleep, or, or pray that my family won't worry. That's one that comes back every now and then. Pray that my family won't worry. One of my favorite prayers is a man sitting back here, Paul Honnold. I'm going to pick on Paul for a minute. Paul has one of the best prayers, and Paul's one of those people. Paul and Joy both are those people that they go, and they'll pray with people, and every now and then I call Paul up, and I say, Paul, I can't get to this nursing home. Can you go over and check on these people? And Paul are always glad to go do something like that. At least I hope they always are. They always sound glad. Uh, But Paul has one of the best prayers, and uh, one of the things that Paul says is that he prays that their prayers will be answered. Because sometimes people have prayers that they won't tell you about. They're prayers that are just between them and God. And it's a great idea to say, Lord, I just pray that their prayers are answered. Let them hear that you're expressing their needs for them, for God. All right, you've heard this before. Some of you remember this, but this is my little thing that I remember when it comes time to pray. We use the word pray, P-R-A-Y. Now, I know there's other people that have different ones. This one's mine. I invented it. You know, this is copyrighted, but I'm going to let you use it, so don't sell it to anybody. P-R-A-Y. When you go pray for someone, uh, you're going to start with praise. You're going I'm going to say you're going to start with P. You're going to start with praise. You're going to start with praise. You're going to, uh, to start with praise. Jesus began the Lord's Prayer by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. Holy is your name. That's praise. Jesus started off with praise. Praise is a great way to begin because praise puts God in the place where he deserves. It puts him in the highest place, the place of honor, the place of power, the place of glory. And you start off your prayer by simply saying, Lord, God, we, are, we thank you for the blessings that you give us. We thank you for being the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. We thank you for being so powerful and, uh, and for being so loving. Put it in your own words, but you begin with praise. The R is request. We take the request before God. And again, it helps to ask first, what are we praying about? What is on your heart? Pray that I get out of the hospital soon. Okay, Lord, I agree. I'm going to pray for Frank to get out of this hospital soon. We want him home. You know, I pray, Lord, for, for this person. We pray for, the, for this person. Exactly what they want. And maybe you can't get them to tell you what they want. So that's when you go with something like what Paul Honnold does and say, Lord, let their prayers be heard. I pray that you hear their prayers. 
you, you need to know, you need to know their need, Lord. Uh, and I pray that you'll bless this situation. Um, so praise, request, and then we get to the A. And I want to take a lesson from this scripture in verse 14 again. Is any of you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the A is for anointing. And you read that passage and you're like, what is up with that? You know, I, uh, I've been becoming very friendly with olive oil since I've had my uh, blood pressure problems. Uh, so I, have to, I have a thing of light olive oil and I anoint my uh, tilapia with it. Uh, <laughs> and several other things with my olive oil. This is a little different. It's the same oil, but uh, what's up with the, uh, with the oil, with the olive oil? Well, symbolically, you know, we go back to the Old Testament. Moses anoints his brother Aaron to be the high priest, sets him apart for service in the temple. Um, Samuel anoints David uh, as king, and it is a symbol of the enduring presence of God. When Samuel anointed David as king, when he poured that olive oil on that little boy's head, he not only said, you're now the king, but he was saying, your entire family line, I will never leave you. All the way down to this little boy that's going to be born in Bethlehem. I'm never going to leave your family line. It was a promise of God's enduring presence and God's power in, uh, in David's life. Sometimes we pray, whether you use actual oil or not, you know, whether that happens or not. And, and if someone requests oil, that's a wonderful thing to do. But whether you use oil or not, you want to remind them of God's enduring presence by anointing them in that moment. Lord, be with Jim. Remind him that you're here. Uh, that, that's one of the things we always pray. Lord, be with so-and-so. Well, you and I know that God is always with us. But in those dark moments, we have to be reminded. So remind Susie that you're here. Even though her foot hurts, you're still here, and you've not left, and you're going to still carry her. Remind Rick that you're always here with him, Lord. So we're going to anoint that. And long after you've left that room, long after you've left that hospital or wherever it is you are, that prayer will still be with them, and God will still be with them. And then the why. This is my favorite part because this is the guy part. The why simply stands for yes. Do you remember how I did this the first time I, meant, I preached this? Yes! That's what you want to bring in your prayer. You want to bring that kind of guy yes, you know, where you've got the, you've got the gear shift over here. And you're Yes, you know, you know how to do that, right, Thad? You've done it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. The Hebrew word for yes is no. The Hebrew word for yes isn't yes. The Hebrew word for yes is amen. Right? Amen. You've heard that word before. In fact, they didn't just say amen. They said amen and amen. Yes and yes. And it was their way of saying we agree with everything that God is doing in this person's life. We agree with everything in this prayer. We bring our agreement. Let it be so. Sometimes amen is, or truly, truly, we say. Amen and amen. Uh, and it's more than just a traditional way of ending a prayer. It's a word of agreement. It's a contract. When you say amen, you are verbally signing a contract with God. You are agreeing in prayer for them, and God is agreeing too. Four times in the Gospel of John, Jesus promises that we can ask anything we want in his name. And if we do, God will hear us. And your amen is a reminder to the person you're praying for. It's a reminder for yourself. It's a reminder that God is in agreement with what you're doing. I recently read about this thing that 
Sometimes we have that experience where we're praying as a group. And I don't know about you, but we've done this before where we all stand around, we hold hands. We don't like to do that. Steve Steve and I don't ever hold hands. But uh, we all stand around and we hold hands. And every now and then we'll say, okay, everybody, we're just going to have a prayer circle. And if you want to pray, go ahead and pray. And if you don't, then just squeeze the hand of the person next to you. I remember one time I did that. And I started off, the first person prayed. And then I said, just squeeze the hand of the next person if you don't want to pray. And the first person prayed, and next thing I know, my hand was being squeezed. <laughs> Nobody wanted to pray. And that's tough for us. It's really tough because, again, we stumble over the words. We don't know what we're going to say. We don't know how to do it. And it's really tough for guys because, first of all, you're asking us to hold hands with other guys, and that's kind of creepy. And, you know, we don't want to do that, and we're afraid we're going to say something wrong. We eat a lot of popcorn at home. Uh, Gracie loves popcorn, and I love and every now and then, if I've been a really good boy, I'll make it in the skillet with uh, bacon grease. You ever do that at home? And one of the fun things about our skillet is that it has a glass lid so you can see what's happening in there. And the first time I did it, I put in the bacon grease, I let it go, and then I put in the popcorn, I put the lid on, and Gracie came in and she said, it's not doing anything. It's not doing anything. I said, just wait. It's not doing anything. And what happens? All of a sudden, pop. And then nothing, you know, just one. It's not going to work. Pop, here comes another one. And then pretty soon, pop, 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 pop. And this guy encouraged us to pray. This, this guy I was reading the other day encouraged us to pray popcorn prayers. You know, popcorn does one thing. Pop, that's it. That's all it does. So do one thing in prayer. When you're in a group and, you, and you're, you're going to pray together, pray for one thing. Just, just pray one thing. And what you see is it might take a while to get started, but that one thing, Lord, we got a lot of people out today, and we want them all to get home safe. Pop, that's it. Lord, uh, you know, Frank's here. We're just going to pray for Frank. We want him to, to you know, just be, be whole. We want Frank to be, be healthy. We want Frank to have a good night's sleep. Pop, that's one thing. We're going to pray for uh, Bob's, Bob's uh, headache. I don't know. We're going to pray for Steve, you know, for his tie that he's wearing that's cutting off the blood flow to his head. You know, one thing or another, pop, 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 pop. You know, we're just going to throw out all these little prayers. And what happens after a while is instead of just being one pop here, one pop there, all of a sudden we got tons of pops going all over the place. And, and it just becomes, yeah, there he goes. Takes off the tie. Lord, we pray for Steve. So we got the desire for prayer. We got the focus of prayer. And then we come to the power of prayer. James says a lot about the power of prayer. Beyond just that prayer brings healing. He says in verses 15 and 16, And if the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James first says the prayer of faith, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. We've seen that happen. Not every time, because it's not always God's plan to, to heal the way we want God to heal but we've always seen him bless. James specifically says, the Lord will raise him up. And that is a very interesting phrase. Does that mean the person will be raised up from their sickbed? Sometimes. But it, it, it has greater meaning than just that. I can't help but think of my, one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 40. I waited patiently on the Lord, and he turned and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit out of the muck, the mud, 
in the mire. He lifted me up. He raised me up out of the mud and mire. And you will see people whose lives are in mud (laughs) and mire, who are in, in just the muck of life. When you start praying for people, you'll step into a lot of situations where there is depression. You'll step into situations where there is hopelessness and where there is faithlessness, where that muck and mire has them bogged down. And through your little prayer, little popcorn prayers even, this person will be raised up out of the mud, out of the muck, out of the mess of their life. And you will see that blessing over and over again as you start praying for people. And then James says, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. And that is the greatest blessing, but it's likely to be the most misunderstood blessing. Do I have the power to forgive someone? Yes, you do. You have the power to forgive someone. But beyond you forgiving them, by bringing the presence of God into their situation through prayer, by bringing God into that moment, by drawing them closer to God, sometimes we make people all the more aware of their own sin and of the distance that they've put between themselves and God. And they become more aware of their own need for forgiveness, that there's things that they need to forgive themselves for that they've done in the past. There's things that they need to bring before God and say, God, I can't get rid of this. I need this out of my life. And we're able to raise them up out of that muck. and We're able to, to pray for, uh, for forgiveness. And you'll see that blessing over and over again also. You draw them closer, more you know, more aware of their sin, they become more aware of God's presence. And through your amen, through your yes, you bring them into agreement with God, and that brings real healing, spiritual healing, and, and real depth into that moment. So today, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and find someone. No, don't leave your home today. Go home and stay there when it gets cold. But, but I want to challenge you. Um, find someone to pray for. My guess is they will find you. My guess is they will find you. And when they do, listen to them, hear their need. And before your time with them is over, just simply ask, do you mind if I pray about this? Do you mind if I pray for you? And then you pray. You praise God. You bring their request. You anoint by bringing the presence of God into their lives. And you end with a yes, God, I am in agreement with you that this situation needs to change. And you watch what God brings to that person through you. James says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's got nothing on a prayer of a righteous woman. You know that? You know, them righteous women, they got some powerful prayers. There's real power there. But every day, every day, you and I, we walk in God's blessing. And you wouldn't be here if that weren't true. Every day, you and I walk in God's blessing. And you know that he's with you. You know that he loves you. But every day you encounter someone who doesn't know that yet. And your prayer can bring them closer to that. Your prayer can bring them hope and lets them know that they aren't alone, that you're with them, and that God is with them.